Turn with me, please, to John. John's Gospel, chapter 6. We're just going to lift out a, a few verses. We were on this chapter last week. And we're not going to go through that chapter again. But this is the chapter where the Lord tells the disciples to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And many are, if you remember the word, offended. He asked them, because people are saying in verse 60, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? And of course, we looked at that word. It's, uh, it means it's harsh, it's intolerable. We, we can't take the sin that Jesus would be asking us to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And the Lord Jesus in verse 61 asked, Doth this offend you of John chapter 6? Um, does this cause you to stumble if you remember? Because if, we, if you remember in Leviticus 17 and in Deuteronomy 12, uh, it speaks about that God commanded Israel not to eat or drink anything with blood in it. And hence it is offensive to them. And But he says, and he qualifies it, and he says in verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. Notice the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They are not literal. It's not literal flesh nor literal blood. And we looked at it last week. And when we're around the table, it is not transubstantiation, it's not literal flesh, it's not literal blood, but rather it is the remembrance, the spiritual element is that we come and Christ is with us. And he is among us when we break the bread and drink from the cup. Let your eye run down, please, to verse 66. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of God. Of the living God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for every remembrance of your son, his death, burial, and resurrection, for the blood that he shed and his life that he gave, the salvation that he brings, the redemption that he's wrought. Thank you, Father, all things are of thee. And none of it is of me. Thank you, Lord, and saved by grace. We're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. We thank you, Father, this morning that we still have this freedom and liberty to gather around the table, partake of the emblems, to have this remembrance service on a Lord's Day morning, but to gather under the sound of your word this morning. And we pray, O oh God, that thy word would find a lodging place in our hearts and that your spirit, he would take it and do with it what he will. Help this man, I pray of clay lips. I pray, O oh God, that you will be glorified 
and the Lord Jesus would be exalted in all of our lives. Lord, we need you to speak to us. Speak to us, Lord, whether it be words of conviction or words of comfort, whether it be words that will compel us and put fire within us, maybe be like the prophet who said that your word was shut up in him like fire on his bones. We pray, O oh God, that our lives would be completely sold over, our will swallowed up by your will. And that we would call you Lord from a heart that is true. That you would be Lord of all. All that we are and all that we have, we owe to thee, O Calvary's Lamb. Glorify thy name, we pray. For Jesus' sake, I ask it. Amen. Simon says, we've entitled this series, I didn't mean it to go on so long, and I think I'll do one more week after this week, because uh, I want to talk about when the Lord asked Simon Peter, lovest thou me? And I'll do that, God willing, next Sunday morning. Notice this is part six then. And in verse 68, it says, Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom? Not to what? Not to what church? Not to what denomination? Not to any institution? But Lord, to whom? Shall we go? Thy. That's to who? Thy hast the words of eternal life. Simon says to him, Lord, L-O-R-D, Lord. And Lord can be used in uh, the, the Greek text for simply things of a title of courtesy to someone, showing respect to someone. It can mean master and owner. But the word Lord or the Greek word is kurios, kurios. And it can mean or give the title of one who is sovereign, one who is in complete control and authority. And in the context that the Lord Jesus is being called Lord here, it is really not just, well, master or sir. He's been with him. Simon Peter has been with the Lord now. And it's not a matter of, well, sir. Uh, There is a relationship and a, a bond that's developing here between them. And rather the context would be, Lord, or you are Sovereign. Imagine that, that sovereignty was standing face to face with Simon Peter. It blows my mind when I think about it. Sovereignty was standing face to face with Simon Peter. The great creator, for without him, was not anything made that was made. The great creator who made all things was standing looking eyeball to eyeball with Simon Peter. Maybe sometimes you're like me and you go to pray, speak to the Lord about things and talk to him and make your petition. 
And sometimes if you're like me, either the, the problems that surround the people that have been, um, maybe you've had a bad experience with or maybe someone that you're concerned about or whatever it may be, it, it seems to enclose you. And sometimes to try and fight it out of the road, to try and get to pray. And by the time you get there, you get lost for words sometimes. You feel exhausted with it. Sometimes it's the shopping list. Well, I'll come and pray to say I prayed, and it's the, the whole Lord bless me's and give me's and the me, myself, and I'me's. And we, 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 we do that sometimes because then we can say we've prayed. It, it's, a, it's just a little formality, but really it becomes a ritual. Sometimes I've even said to the Lord, Lord, how can I be lost for words to speak to you when I really get the grips with who you are? I should have nothing else to say then but then just to worship him. Just to worship him. Try praying. But try just worshiping. And you'll find we always feel we need about me and mine rather than it's all about you. When you and I kneel down to pray or stand to pray or walk and pray, brothers and sisters, let's be conscious that we, as like Simon Peter, we are standing before sovereignty. We're not praying into God's reluctance as his children, but rather we're praying into his willingness. Into his willingness. Notice this. This word curios, it's, it can mean in the, in the Septuagint, which is the, 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 the Hebrew is usually written, uh, pardon me, the Old Testament is usually written in Hebrew and some Chaldean. But really, if you were to look at a, a Septuagint Bible, it's really one of the oldest translations, and it's written, the Hebrew or, is written into Greek. The Old Testament is in Greek. And it uses this word, kurios, for Jehovah, or Yahweh, W-H-Y-H in our English, in the Hebrew is exactly the same. So when Peter's looking at him, he's going, Jehovah, Yahweh. Or on the Hebrew, It's also known as Adonai and Elohim, the one who has created all things. And here Peter is saying, it says, Simon Peter answers him. Notice, after the Lord says, will ye also go away? How, how do you stray from sovereignty, brothers and sisters? How do we get so lethargic and lackadaisical and even lazy and dead in our spirits when we are before sovereignty? How does that happen? It's our flesh, you see. It's the old man, it's the old woman, it's the, it's the appetites of the carnal mind. That's the only barrier between you and God this morning. That's the only barrier between you and God, yourself. Yourself. And notice this. He says, Lord, or curios, and he's saying you are the sovereign. I wonder... 
how we get so lazy in prayer. Speaking of me, talking about all of us. Lazy in prayer when we know the sovereign one. The only thing between us is our own mind, our own flesh. When the sovereign is ready with a listening ear. Will you turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, please? Mark's Gospel, chapter 7. And please let your eye run down the chapter. In this chapter, the Lord is speaking about good trees bringing forth good fruit and a corrupt tree bringing forth evil fruit and how a good one can bring forth evil and vice versa. So notice this. He says then, let your eye run down, if you will, to Matthew 7 and verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. This is the title of the sovereign, God. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. Take note of this shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. I read that again this morning before I came out and it hit me. It was like a thunderbolt to me. Sometimes I wonder Sometimes I wonder when I talk to some people or see the lifestyles of some people who profess Christ and I see their, 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 the spirit that they carry, I wonder, I just wonder about them. Are they saying, Lord, Lord, but they'll never enter the kingdom of heaven? It says, but he that doeth the will of my Father, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, in thy name have cast out devils, in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, the Lord Jesus is the speaker here. This isn't some fundamentalist Christian pastor or conservative Christian pastor, right-wing leading, leaning. Uh, uh, you know, this is not someone like that that's bringing this out here. This is Christ himself. I wonder sometimes when we see it here, where is the heart? Can I ask you, I, I, this is not condemnation. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, searching my own. Where is the heart before God? Where's your heart before God? Notice this as well. He says, I will profess unto them I never knew you. Now, 
If he's God, he knows everything. Isn't that true? But the idea here is, I never knew you in the way a husband knows his wife. As they come together or in one flesh, they know each other intimately. That's the way he means here. I have never known you intimately. And there are some who have had a religious experience. There are some who have had a religious experience. There are some who have even went on for a wee while with a religious mindset. There are some who have trusted in their denomination for their salvation and rather than Christ and even been praying. And they have never known him in an intimate manner. They have never known him in an intimate fashion. They have never known Christ intimately in any way. It's been just religion. It's just been some sort of an experience they had, but it's never been a Holy Ghost experience where you're birthed and born of God. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard-hitting. But it's soul-searching. It's soul-searching. I've come across many, and we're not perfect, none of us are, but I've come across many who have professed Christ, professed him, and all the way they were living like the devil. But do you see if you're truly saved and know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour? See if you've been intimate with him, the world pales into insignificance. And you don't want that. You want him. Notice here, he says, depart from me, for I never knew you. Verse 24, and we're going to just read the first verse of this in context. Therefore, whatsoever, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And many times when uh, this is used in whether it's children's meetings or whether it's used in youth meetings or whether it's used in um, gospel meetings. See the word therefore, verse 24. That's the important link. That adds it on to the verses that are previous to verse 24. Therefore means because of what I have already said. Or because of what the conversation has already been. Therefore, he says. So he's talking about good tree bringing forth good fruit, a corrupt tree bringing forth evil fruit. And then he runs down into those who say, Lord, Lord, and those he doesn't know personally or intimately therefore he says because of this I'm going to tell you what it's like for a wise man who builds his house upon a rock and the foolish man on the sand and the word rock there takes us back to where we were earlier in the series in Matthew 16 
upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Turn with me to Matthew 22 please. You know, I believe in eternal security. But I believe if you're saved, you'll always be saved. People call it once. I mean if. It's a big difference. There's a big difference. There's a going on with God. I was listening yesterday morning to an old video of, of, of Pastor McConnell. And he was preaching away and he says, Brother... And he's so right. He's thinking about these things. He says, brother, you can't live wrong and die right. You cannot live wrong and die right. Matthew 22, please. I'll just turn to it myself. And if you will, let your eye run down to verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? The thing is, the son there, if you notice, is a, a small s. As you and I would be adopted into the family of God under and through the blood of Jesus. But the capital S, when we read of Jesus, means He is the unique one and only son of the father. Notice here he's saying a small s. What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, the son, capital S, but it's in italics meaning it's for our English rendering. The son of David. And he saith unto them, how then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? Jesus, in in short, is saying here, How is David saying, Lord, to Jehovah, to Yahweh, to Yorheh, Adonai, Elohim? If David is calling him Lord in that sense, he says, Then who's his son as Lord? How does he call him Lord? Through the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus, and testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And what it does, it's showing us the one that was to come, the one that was to be born, the one that was to live a life we couldn't live and keep the law we couldn't keep and and die a death we should have died. And now... Uh, 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 he's mentioning it and he's saying if, if, if Pharisees if, if you're saying David prays to the Lord then who is David's Lord and the Pharisees were looking at him and in their carnal 
depraved nature of a state of fallen man. They couldn't see him. Couldn't understand him. And he's saying then, if David then call him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. And he put their mouths, he closed just like he did in the lion's den. When Daniel was there with the lions, he shut the lion's mouth. Again, the word Lord. Will you turn with me to Galatians 5? Galatians 5, please. And after I run down the chapter, is anybody too cold? Would you put the heating on for me there, please? It feels cool here. I don't want anybody getting cold. Turn with me, please, to Galatians chapter 5. Let your eye run down. I can't go through the whole chapter because it would be noteworthy of you to, to read this when you, when you have some spare time as well. Let your eye run down, though, um, to verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, capital S meaning the Holy Spirit. And the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would do. Will you say cannot? Would you say it louder? Would you hear yourself say it? Now let the devil hear it. You cannot. In other words, the capital S, when the Holy Spirit, when he lives in you, When you are saved, the things you used to do, you don't do anymore. The things that you used to love, you don't love anymore. The places you used to go, you don't go there anymore. Oh, I I, I could walk into a pub and ask for a pint at the bar and drink it in my hand, but everything in me would be saying no, because the Holy Spirit's in me. No! I can't do this. It's alien to what I know that God has done for me and brought me from. I know I can't do that. I could as a man, I could do that. But within me, everything in me would be screaming about it. And I say in grace, thank the Lord from the day or I got saved. I've never held a pint in any of those two hands. By the grace of God, I've never held... Uh, an alcoholic drink in those two hands. Neither have I put one to my mouth. Brothers and sisters, you see, when the child of God, uh, that's only an example, the child of God cannot, cannot do it. I remember when I was in Romania, Alex and I were in Romania, Pastor William and his wife Lillian came over from Whitewell to try and encourage us in 
stayed with us for 10 weeks there, and we had great fellowship, and their daughter Tracy came shortly after, and we had just friends to this day, but great fellowship. And there was a certain thing I was thinking of, and I thought, I'm not going to, but what if we do this? And William's always gentle and meek, very meek and soft in that sense. He was very, he, he, he had a, just a gentle spirit about him. And he says to me, Ken, listen, here's something that I learned years ago. Others may, we may not. Others may, we may not. Now, he meant that because we were ministering before God. It wasn't an outrageous thing. I'm not going into it, but it wasn't outrageous. But it was just, he was going, but there's something more expected of you, not only as a Christian, but once you step into ministry. There's a a higher level, as it were, of expectation when someone is in ministry, whether that's children's ministry, youth ministry, preaching ministry, pastoral ministry, deacon's ministry, whatever it is, but even every Christian has a ministry and a testimony. And that stuck with me, what Pastor William says. Others may, but we may not. And here, the apostle says, So that ye cannot do the things that ye would do, but if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. And the idea being here is, and I have to rush for time's sake, because time's flying. The apostle's saying here, you know, it's not that the law is so grievous that you can't keep it in the sense where you want to walk in it with you know, David says, David, you know, delights in the law of God. The Lord Jesus says, I delight to do thy will, O God, from one of the Psalms, speaking of himself. He delighted to do his Father's will. And the thing about it is, we should be living to delight in it. And notice what he says here. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. So you'll see them. You can notice them because we do them. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Do do you know that word? I mean, we can sort of know what most of those are, but that word there, lasciviousness in verse 19. Do you know what it means? One without restraint, one which shamelessly outrages public opinion and all decency. It's the word asylgia. In other, words, in other words, the flesh becomes an outrage to everything that's even natural. It's an outrage. So there's some will go deeper than others, but then other morals will say, well, sure, I don't do that, but I can do this. And we can all have that different level in our flesh. But if we live by the Spirit, that is, by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, then that is our moral code. That is our moral code. And you can see today when the world are going in the flesh, 
the world are going without restraint because there's no spirit of God in them. Verse 20 says idolatry, witchcraft. I've touched on it before. Pharmacia. It's where we get the word pharmacy. Now listen, it doesn't mean to say if you have something in the pharmacy, it, it's witchcraft. The, the real word of this means enchantment with drugs. Enchantment with drugs. Hatred. You see, whenever we look at this, we just go hatred and then we go on to the next one. Hating someone is murdering your brother, murdering your sister in your heart. Hatred. Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness. Notice, the Holy Spirit puts envy and murder and witchcraft with drunkenness at the same level. Revelings and such like of the which I tell you before. So Paul has had some sort of problem in the Galatian church with people living like they're unsaved. Living like they're unsaved. So he says, I have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the idea is not if we fall because we're under grace, not if we fall because the blood of Jesus is paid for it and we get repent and get up and go on. It gives the idea of those who think they can habitually, continually live in an open course of sin in their life. He says, basically saying here, you're not saved. And I've come across Many who think they can live how they like, I'm sure I'm all right the way I am. I'm a Christian. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, here's how you know, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, Faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ, notice, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. We have crucified the old man, crucified the old woman. I was talking to a pastor this week. And he was telling me about his church. And he was telling me about someone and they tortured him. They were just, they were like Alexander the coppersmith to Paul. They'd done him much harm. And his heart was broke with them. And he says at one point, Ken, I'll be honest. He says, I I, I felt the old man coming up. I was nearly going to biff him. And he said to me, have you ever felt like that? (laughs) <laughs> God forgive me for lying no I did not <laughs> I said yes I have yes I have 
You see, brothers and sisters, the fruit of the Spirit, if we can keep, if we could keep the fruit in its entirety, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, if we could keep it all for 24-7, even in our sleeping hours and our waking days, if we could keep it all, uh, 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 then we would be perfect, wouldn't we? Because keeping, believe it or not, the fruit of the Spirit in its entirety is the equivalent of keeping the whole law of God. It's the equivalent of keeping the whole law of God. I said to this pastor, you have to crucify the old man. You have to crucify the old man. The old woman. Paul writes Galatians 2 and 20. I've been crucified with Christ. And nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live by, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know what I miss? And I was thinking about it yesterday morning. I miss my pastor preaching messages like this to me. I miss my pastor preaching messages which challenged me, preaching messages which convicted me. I miss hearing the messages which even convinced me to go on with Christ. I miss it. But rather instead now, I'm here trying to serve the Lord in that way. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory. If you want to provoke someone, provoke them unto love. Notice provoking one another, envying one another. It's provoking to love. And so Simon Peter and John 6, and I'm going to have to close this. Simon Peter and John 6, he says, To whom shall we go? Notice, thou hast the words of eternal life. Brothers and sisters, the words of eternal life are salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, giving glory to God alone. The five solas are, that is is the, the words of eternal life. But the words of eternal life continue on in that which is written in our canonized 66 books of the Bible. Words of eternal life is the word of God. The word of eternal life was the sovereignty in flesh before Simon Peter. And Simon Peter says, Lord, 
to whom will we go? Thou hast the words. You see, and I'll say this and close this because of too much material on this one, and I'm going to do, God willing, a different one next week again. Thou hast the words of eternal life. Here Simon Peter knows that what he is hearing is different than all that he's ever heard before. He's went to the synagogues. He's heard the rabbis. Possibly the, the like of teachings like of the Midrash and so forth. And what, and what they do is they take what one rabbi has commentated on maybe what one part of the Hebrew scripture is or one part of the, the Torah has taught. And they take it and then another rabbi takes his. And, but his thoughts are on the rabbi's thoughts. And that rabbi's thoughts goes to another synagogue and through time they're thinking of what another rabbi thinks not to the text. And unfortunately, that's the way the Bible has been perverted. Not going to textus receptus, the received texts, but rather taking men's thoughts on it. And notice here, he's saying here, what I am hearing is different from all that I've heard before. Thou hast the words of eternal life. And how vastly different is it to hear the word of God in comparison to the allo, uh, pleasant and even uplifting and joyous words from poets and scholars and philosophers and even life coaches. And, and Christians lean on these people. They lean on them. And many of the life coaches, if not all of them, because I don't know all of them, but many especially of these life coaches are nothing but new ageism. Bringing another spirit into your life, another spirit into your heart. It's new ageism. And notice this, brothers and sisters, although even poets and scholars are well known throughout time and history, they may help or even educate or even thrill the senses to invigorate or to rejuvenate people's minds. Whether it is Plato or Socrates or Thales of Miletus or Pythagoras or etc., etc., right down to great well-known playwrights like William Shakespeare or George Bernard Shaw or Tennessee Williams or authors like Mark Twain or J.R.R. Tolkien or Jane Austen or George Orwell or Ernest Hemingway or even Charles Dickens. And people get things out of it. They make movies out of what they say. But yet they want to get rid of the word of God. And here is the words of eternal life. All these may have places, as it were, in the world. And in literacy, they even may help here and there, some people. But all these authors and playwrights and philosophers are either dead or they're dying or will die. But when you open this book, this is the only book that when you open it to read it, the author is present. And the author is still alive. Thou hast the words of eternal life. Job said, Job 23 and 12, I have esteemed the words of his mouth 
more than my necessary food. The word esteemed there actually can also be translated, I have treasured the words of his mouth. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food, or the word can be, is the word koch, and it means my prescribed lot. (laughs) I treasure up the words of his mouth more than my prescribed lot on earth. To whom will we go? Come on, brothers and sisters. Whether there's people watching and they'll watch later, you people are here. To whom would you go? What other, what other person has come to earth? What other man has walked the scene of time? What other one has come and and his sovereignty, when you look him in the eye, you can see it manifest, the glories of God in heaven. What other one could go to a cross and die for us? And so many Christians trifle and toy with the world. And they hang on to arguments and hatefulness and bitterness and groanings and backbitings when the one whom we have access to free and fully through the blood of his son sovereignty is waiting for us to speak to him to worship him to praise him and to read the words of eternal life. Magazines, newspapers. I don't get the newspapers, you know that. And look, we can all be guilty. I need to check to see what's going on in the church, on our Facebook and social media. See, if I read everything that I was sent and watched everything that I was sent, you wouldn't see me for one month or the next. We can all be guilty. And all the way that sits and collects dust in many of our homes. Did you have your breakfast before you come out? Did you have your breakfast before you come out? I have esteemed, treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. More than the portion of my lot. And the portion of your lot may be whether it is 10 years or 110 years, 9 years to 90, there is the words of eternal life. Let's read it. Let's take it up again. That's why lives are falling apart. To say a Bible that falls falling apart is proof of someone not falling apart. You might say, well, yours isn't falling apart. That's because that's a relatively new one. The other one, guess what happened to it? It fell apart. I've still got it, but if you touch it, the pages fall out of it, and every one of them's got writing on it, notes on it. It just falls apart. 
God bless us this morning. We'll love you. You know that. We'll love you. We'll love you.